Hi everyone, Mentally Sound Life in Lockdown, episode 7 of our podcast series. How are you all? Welcome everyone if you're listening via Spice FM on 98.8 FM or if you listen on the podcast, we welcome you all back. Uh, yeah, episode 7, here we are. Um, wow, I'm not sure, <laughs> didn't think we would get this far, but here we are. Um, so yeah, for our listeners, we are Mentally Sound. We are predominantly a mental health, mental well-being show. Um, usually you would find us in the studios of Spice FM doing a, a phone nightly show. And uh, obviously when the, the pandemic hit us all, uh, we were all on a hiatus. And, um, you know, a few of us sort of banged our heads together and uh, we thought doing a podcast would be a good way of reaching out to our listeners because um, obviously it's a very challenging time for us for us all and um, Spice FM were gracious enough to allow us to broadcast the podcast so we were hope we hope that we still you know reach our usual listenership and of course you can listen to these podcasts online on our archive if you check out Mentally Sound's uh, social media pages so you can find us on Twitter at underscore Mentally Sound you can find us on Facebook, Mentally Sound Radio Show, and we're on Instagram at Mentally Sound Radio. Awesome, yes. So, well, I think we've reached a phase now where uh, lockdown is gradually easing. Although there's a few sort of question marks up in the air as to, you know, what exactly we're allowed and not allowed to do. Um, let's just say that the, the, the messages haven't been crystal clear. But there you go. We we hope that we can provide some sort of clarity in terms of how we how we choose to look after after ourselves throughout this. And of course, a big pillar in that is to look after our mental health, which is why in these podcast series, I've been joined by our resident therapist. And yeah, throughout the seven weeks, she's provided you know uh, very insightful advice and tips uh, from all sorts of areas to do with mental well-being particularly under lockdown so we've covered issues like isolation loneliness anxiety uh, issues around our finances be it our jobs debt and so on uh, we've tackled uh, sleeping insomnia which was which was our last podcast so um yeah um as you might have heard at the end of uh, last week's show we, we decided to go a little bit different this time around um we're going to do a first for us, it's going to be sort of live mindfulness and breathing exercise. So this is going to be, you know, it's a first for us. So forgive us if we if, if we do a little bit of things, uh, you know, that might not come across well. But we're going to have a few runs at this if you know if our first take doesn't doesn't go well, you know. <laughs> but let's let's see how it goes. We're 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 going to light this rocket and see where it flies. But I think it's you know because. Um, we're at home and and uh, Nikki Nikki is at her place. We we we've got a, sort of a fairly relaxed atmosphere. Um, we can, we hope that we can generate across uh, the these sort of breathing exercises, which will be beneficial whether you're listening live or should you choose to listen to us later, and then you can choose your own suitable environment to where you want to practice. So first of all, yes, she has been a star, Nikki. How are you? Good, thank you. I love the intro. Thank you. Oh, and I can't believe it's been seven weeks. That's I mean, incredible, that isn't just it? just boggles my mind. Oh. Um, but the whole process, I think, boggles everyone's mind is that how we've managed to get from, you know, point A to point now. Um, mm. 
and it's been such a long process, but we've all seemed to manage to get through it somehow, haven't we? So, well, I we suppose just... one of the challenges has been time management, hasn't it? And that that it goes in even a broader point because we, I mean, yeah, when when I when I mentioned in the intro there seven weeks, I'm like, what, really? No, I know. It doesn't seem that long ago when we were chatting on the phone about how we would do this, and, and yeah. gosh, it's yeah. well, it's well, it's been over. It's been sort of eight weeks. If if we were thinking about it technically, it's been eight or nine weeks, isn't it? Because it took a it took a week or two to plan, and then well, um, that's it, yeah, yeah, and then uh, talking to Spice as well, and they agreed to to um, gosh, yeah. gosh. But how lucky have we been with it, you know, because this was just just a thought that we had. How how could we help people? Yeah. And, you know, seven weeks down the line, we were able to continue providing something that obviously has been helpful. You know, we've got the, the airtime with Spice. They've been so generous with us, which has been absolutely amazing. And twice, twice a week, um, let's not forget as well. So. No, that's amazing, which yeah. means that, you know, our little thought process, that little little firefly in the dark, you know, that one little light in the dark has obviously helped. So it's been amazing to be able to go through this journey, you know, with you and and with the listening with listenership. Mm. Yeah, and uh, as I say, it, it was it was when I was having a conversation as well with with Mental Health Northeast about doing a podcast, and uh, and I was saying to them, well, <laughs> funny you should mention that because I've been thinking about doing this as well. And I am currently talking with. Um, our therapist about how how and you know how should we we trial this and and yet here we are so um so thanks to mental health northeast and recovery college for their continued support as well who you know were the main bodies which helped conceive this idea um yeah so this this week we're looking at uh, before we get to the practical um we're gonna have a little chat about uh, not just anxiety, but also mindfulness. Which you know, me and me and Nikki had a phone chat yesterday as to how we would go about this, and uh, we 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 agreed, didn't we, Nikki, that mindfulness, despite despite the length of time it's been around, it's been around for a long time. It's only in kind of recent years it's become quite sort of in yeah, the mainstream. Isn't mainstream. It? Yeah. How would you? How, what would you put that that down to? First of all, do you think there's been a change in atmosphere which which has allowed my, for mindfulness to be part of our narrative now? I think so, and I also think it's funding for research. So um, mindfulness started to really pick up traction in I think it was the seventies um, with John Kabat-Zinn, who right. had brought it back from the east. So mindfulness is a, an aspect of um, the Buddhist. Mm -hmm. culture or religion mm -hmm. and it's just one of the things that they practice mm -hmm. and through his travels um, it was something that he came across and brought it back into the western world and you know he established the mindfulness um, stress reduction clinic in the u.s mm -hmm. and i think with that where they saw the correlation to applying the mindfulness um, using the meditations and the positive effect that it had on the physical well-being, emotional health, and psychological health, yeah. then I think what's happened is over those last, let's say, 40, 50, 50 oh gosh, it's 50 years, 70, 1970s, 50 years now, um, what's happened is, is that there's been funding that's been given to institutes where they can start to research. So mindfulness isn't just something that, you know, is 
airy fairy woo woo like it used to be in the past you know um, and meditation doesn't have that stigma anymore do you think that was part so sorry to do you think that was part of the problem that because these sorts of practices were were sort of you know a very eastern way of looking at it and almost associated itself with an alternative culture which probably people couldn't wrap their heads around just yet absolutely at a time where um hard facts were really um, what made a difference you know um if you look at you know medicine was tangible you know you took the tablet the pain went away that was very yeah. very tangible yeah. whereas a lot of these therapies were quite subtle in that in that essence mm -hmm. so you know could because there wasn't the science, they didn't have the science um, proof that showed that these therapies worked, um, they couldn't really say that they worked, could they? That, because it was such a subtle effect, they couldn't prove, you couldn't prove that mindfulness would improve your emotional health, or your psychological health. Mm. But it's through the studies and the research that now it's all evidence-based. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, when you look at various... Um institution and bodies even even including the nhs when you see on on this certain advice pages and, and you'd find mindfulness you would find more doctors now um, recommending mindfulness and signposting you to nearby groups which which are you know practicing these in these sort of methods and so on so it's and even schools um because mental health amongst children is is so being being talked in the mainstream as well which which i think for me you and many others have been trying to shout from the rooftops that their well-being needs to be you oh, know absolutely. prioritized particularly yes. when you look at what's gone in schools like you know we've had we've had some big sort of um reforms within our schooling systems be it, you know more testing more exams and that sort of thing and i always had it in my mind that i just wonder and i, and I, I know from my own experience the kind of stresses and anxieties that I went through as a kid, particularly those crucial teenagers, just how important that could be. Absolutely. And the stress that it drives in, in an individual, you know, especially at such a young age where they're still trying to learn about themselves and trying to find their place in the world and trying to fit with everyone else and then having to be measured up against a score, you know, mm. and, and not everyone has that exact technique. Not everyone thrives mm. in that kind of environment. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So do you, would you, and it's just something else that we picked up upon when we were chatting on the phone yesterday that, because mindfulness is in the mainstream now, is there a is there an essence where um, different people might have their own different interpretations of it, what it means to them? For, and is that valid, or and if it is if it is valid, um, does, is there a danger of it being taken away from what it really is, as what you described at the beginning? I'm not certain if people, I think most people really do understand what mindfulness is about. So the authenticity of it is still there. Mm. Um, and it's really about becoming more mindful about where your thoughts, um, emotions, your body awareness, it's developing that awareness moment mm. by moment. I think the word mindful um, gets thrown around quite a lot. And maybe mm. that deters from what yeah. mindfulness really is yeah. people will always talk about you know it's important to be mindful here and it's important to be mindful there mm -hmm. but mindful is really about cultivating awareness mm -hmm. of your thoughts 
feel emotional responses and body sensations in a very open, non-judgmental way in that moment. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very practical redirecting of your thought process in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you would emphasize as well that, that essentially it is a tool, isn't it, it that we... Absolutely, yeah. And how would you how would you sort of um, identify it as being a tool then, as opposed to something you just sort of you know read or recommend? Okay, so I think if I can give you a little bit of a longer explanation, mm-hmm. so that a little bit of a backstory about our stress response, yeah, and then related to mindfulness and why mindfulness is such a important tool, mm-hmm. and and this is why we use mindfulness as a tool. So if we think of the mind, the average person will have about 60 to 70 thoughts a day. Okay, so this is the average person, the average day. And if you quite, if you kind of tally that up, that's probably a thought every 70 seconds. So those are a lot of thoughts going through our mind. Mm-hmm. And 80% of those thoughts will tend to be negatively based. So our mind has this propensity to go down a negative pathway. So we will be having a negative thought process or we'll have our critical mind that's activated. So we will be judging ourselves, criticizing ourselves or criticizing the experience or judging the experience that we're having. Mm-hmm. What they also, science also shows us that 90% of the thoughts that we have every single day are the same as the previous day. Okay. So what's happening is, is that we are having this massive amount of cognition going on in our mind, and it is the same, it's quite repetitive. Okay, so if you remember those facts there, that we've got all these thoughts, they're very negative based, and they're based along the same thinking. Mm-hmm. Then we think about what the stress response is. And our stress response is a pro- process that happens in our body that is essential for survival. Um, and, it, you know, as organisms, we need to survive. And our stress response keeps us alive. So this is our activation of our fight, flight, stress, and um, sorry, faint and freeze response. And this is how we, as an individual, keep ourselves safe from threat. So, in a, you know, as we physically maneuvering ourselves around, you know um, you know this is how we navigate traffic this is how we manage to keep ourselves safe so we don't fall downstairs those kind of things so even you know if you trip down the stairs your body rectifies itself quite quickly but then you'll have this physical response that happens right so as soon as your body recognizes that it's under threat we have this physical response that's triggered off so our heart rate goes up our breathing our body tenses up and this will activate an emotional response mm-hmm. for us. So normally when we feel stressed, we'll have a little bit of, a, of an emotional response. Now, what's happening emotionally within us, our, our stress response is activated from stimulus in our external environment. So all sorts of things, noises are going to activate our stress response, um, information that we're hearing on TV, all sorts of things are going to activate our stress response because the body is constantly trying to look for threatening conditions or threats in our environment to keep us safe. So if we go back to what I was just saying about all these thoughts, yeah. 80% of our thoughts being negative. So can we see that without even recognize it, we have 
completely driven up our own stress response by some of our internal thought processes without even being conscious or being purposeful about it. And I guess under the kind of information that, that's been re- relayed to us in the past two, three months, that kind of stress, stress response, response amongst majority of everyone is going to... Oversensitive. Yeah. So that's in a hyper-aroused state. So yeah. everyone's going to be quite um, overstimulated with yeah. that because mm-hmm. there's so much. So, you know, when they when they did this study about the 60 to 70,000 thoughts and the 80%, you know, negative bias in the mind, um, that was probably pre-COVID. I mean, this was definitely pre-COVID. And I'd like to know if anyone's actually done some further studies on it at this point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, has that even ramped up? Mm-hmm. So you can see how we perceive our external environment is going to have a direct impact on our internal environment. And what's happening is, is that when things aren't feeling balanced, or we're feeling that we're under threat in our internal environment, we're going to have a physical reaction to that. Yes. All right. Yes. And this is, and we can see this. We can see this in fear, panic, stress, tension. You know, we have body pains, and it starts to affect our health. Mm-hmm. Now, mindfulness. Um, so mindfulness, breath work, relaxation techniques, what they're doing is they are redirecting that stress response. We are switching off our sympathetic nervous system, which is what activates our stress response. And we're activating our parasympathetic nervous system. So this is the opposite system. This is our rest and digest. And what mindfulness does is it teaches you to become aware of your stimulus in the external environment and the internal environment and just observe them and you learn not to respond to them. So those 80,000 negative thoughts, right? Yes. Or those 90 thoughts which are happening every day which are exactly the same as the previous day, that just reinforces that stress response. You know, it layers and layers and layers and layers. Mm-hmm. So. And those are automatic response. They're almost auto-generated. You know, one auto-generates the next and it auto-generates the next. And that is so um, cemented into us. It's almost a habit to become stressed. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. And what we're doing with mindfulness is we are looking, we're observing, we're cultivating an awareness mm-hmm. that we're having these physical responses, these emotional um, patterns or these thought processes, which are habits and patterns, mm-hmm. but we don't follow either a physical response or an emotional response like we used to. Sure. So like retraining or rewiring the brain to mm-hmm. just hold its place in the present moment Mm-hmm. and to become the observer without the engagement in the response. Yeah. Now, a lot of people will come to mindfulness class and they're like, you know, I've been doing this for like three weeks now and, you know, it's, it's, it's not really working. And I've always have to remind people, well, if you've got those, you know, 80, you know, 70,000 thoughts a day, if you've got a thought every 60, 70 seconds and it's, activating a stress response in you it's going to take a little more more practice than maybe three weeks you know you've got to reapply every day just reroute 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 particularly someone who who might suffer from chronic anxiety and absolutely post-traumatic stress or you know things like that that's the body is going to be hyper vigilant in those cases so if we had to put um 
you, you know, people on a scale of one to 10. And it's something I've been seeing a lot with my clients over the last couple of months. I always say to them, you know, if we had to put you on a scale of one to 10, where would you be right now? You know, they're like, is there a number off the scale? And I'm like, yes, there is. And they'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm 12 out of 10 or I'm a 15 out of 10. Yeah. So that's a very hyper aroused state or a very hyper vigilant state that the person would be in. So it's going to take a little bit more Mm. practice and a little bit more effort to start bringing that response down. Um, But what happens with the body is because it's always trying to survive, Mm. it's going to normalize the condition because our stress response is only meant to be short term. It's only meant to be a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes Mm -hmm. before we fatigue on it. Mm -hmm. And if you think about how we have been in COVID, you know, this is a global stress pandemic isn't it it's not only a viral pandemic Mm. it's been a global stress pandemic and it's been going on for so many months you know for some of the countries it started late december Mm. you know and the after effects um, are still there in the countries Um, the post-traumatic stress um, that's coming out that's very evident so that's six months um so it's it's it'll take practice and a very very compassionate state mm. you know a very self-compassionate state that we we need to get into for ourselves so that we can learn to meet those moments in a more mindful way so the mindful when i say mindful there it's becoming aware of your inner state and how you're responding mm. to some of your stimulus mm. internal or external um, and then by practicing mindfulness, you learn to not respond. You yeah. learn to anchor yourself into more peaceful moments, into a more centered um, thought process. I mean, I, I'll make this the final point because we're reached the time of where we're going to do some mm. practical. But the, the point you made about the, the timing, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? When we hear about something that's been beneficial for a lot of people, I think to a lot of us, we, we expect to have a very... We expect them to, if it's wonderful and brilliant, as everyone says, we expect it to be instantaneous, don't we? We want yeah. it to work straight away. And the moment yeah. it doesn't, we're, we're like, well, hmm, is it, hmm, you know, reach that sort of uncertain phase where is it worth prolonging it? Personally, for myself, I've been um, practicing meditation and various types of meditation for over 20 years now. Mm. And one thing I have done through this pandemic is I've actually increased my practice. So my morning practice is now an hour and a half, sometimes even close to two hours. And I spend probably about... Uh, about t- 10 maybe that's an absolute minimum in the evening at bedtime to about 20 minutes maybe even 25 minutes at bedtime because I recognize my own need yeah. to look after my own mental health for myself for my family but also for, for the position I'm in in terms of work you know yeah. um so you know if when pe- we are naturally we're impatient you know we're a quick fix generation i've said this so many times you know it's well can i just do it for five minutes you know a couple of times a week yes you can because that's far more beneficial than not doing anything so i'm a big believer that something is not is better and i I really hope this takes off because we are as you say we're in a sort of popping popping pill sort of culture where we want that instant instant fix to a lot of our things but i mean maybe on the beginning the 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 first points we made at the beginning in that when mindfulness and and you know things like talking therapies and these sort of 
what was used to be branded as alternative ideas is now mainstream. Maybe maybe it's an indication that we are moving in the right direction. I like to absolutely, and there's a lot more funding going into these, so mm. there's more studies which are making them mainstream because yeah. the evidence is there, and people, you know, um, wisdom is is gold, isn't it? So when people can see that um, science has been applied to something, and it, you can scientifically prove that these subtle therapies have a positive and tangible effect on the body, then people will be more open to it. I've sort of grew up around, because, you know, my Indian culture, I've been a group yeah. around sort of meditation and, and yoga, you know, as in yoga, that's the, the Indian word. Um, yeah. But I never really embraced it properly because maybe I always associate, always associated it with prayer and maybe that was one side that, that I felt had to come with it. But, but because... Prayer is a form of meditation. Yeah, that's true. So that's it's very not true. mindfulness. You yeah. know, it's, it's a different, it, it is a form of, of meditation. Yeah. This is what I guess what I meant by people's own interpretation. But uh, yeah, I think you've um, you've broke it down really well there. Nikki, thanks, thanks for good. that. Good, good. And I hope it helps people understand why we are so stressed at this time, you know, and why redirecting our thoughts can... The time that, yeah, the time you've dedicated to, to meditation throughout lockdown, I've been doing the same with running. And yes. it has been a better balance to me. I had a good run this morning, and I f and I feel okay today. So, um, but I am going to explore meditation with you further after this because you've yes. you've intrigued me more. So yeah. without without any, we've done the talking <laughs> bit over with. Bit of it. Now we're going to, to to go for the practical. So I have a bit of music here which I'm going to play, and it's not going to be overbearing because. We're going to hear Nikki's voice play over that. Nikki can't hear the music so well, but 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 she doesn't think that should be a problem. So we'll see how it goes. So before I start pressing play, Nikki, do you want to talk us through what, what's going to happen? Yes, so what we're going to do is we, I'm going to do a little bit of a mixed session. So I'm going to do a bit of a, a some breathing. So introduce a diaphragmatic breathing, um, which will help to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. And this is really the system we want to be activating to switch off our stress response. Um, and the key thing here with the parasympathetic um, nervous system is when we're looking at the out-breath, it's a very slow, longer out-breath to the in-breath. So the in-breath, we will move the breath from... So when we're in a stressed state, our breath is very rapid and short and tight and shallow. So we're going to be practicing a um, deeper breath, which is a belly breath. And um, I'll ask people to put their hands on their belly, just below their belly button. Mm -hmm. And so when they're breathing, it's really to be moving the diaphragm which is just where our ribs meet. So we're trying to activate the diaphragm because that's what works our stress response. Mm -hmm. And when we breathe in, it's to really be moving our belly out. And when we breathe um, out, then the belly comes back in. So we activate the diaphragm. So does that make sense? So when we're breathing in, yeah. our belly comes out. And then when we're breathing out, the belly comes in. Yeah. So by keeping your hands there, the focus then becomes on breathing into that area okay. when we're breathing up into the chest we're actually activating our sympathetic nervous system so there's a couple of key things with the breath work mm -hmm. that we focus on to make sure that we're always switching off our stress response and the first thing to remember it's a slow deep breath okay. and the breath is only moving through the lower belly okay. not into the chest at all so we're just breathing and you only breathe at your own pace you don't breathe into 
deeply so that you're feeling that you're tight. The body always needs to be relaxed. Mm -hmm. So we'll do that. And then I'll move into um, the mindfulness component. So here we're just going to do a bit of a centering technique. And with that, we focus on what is called our anchor points. So our anchor points are what help us kind of anchor ourselves. So if you think of a helium balloon, you know, if it's not weighted, a little gust of wind and it's off. And that's us, you know, with our stress response, off, right? Mm -hmm. So our anchor points become almost the weight in our helium balloon. And these are the feet, our seating bones. So literally this is bums on seats or if you're lying down, it's wherever your, your bum is making connection with the couch or the floor and it is our hands. So those become the anchor points. And then again, it's with the breath awareness and noticing. So all we do is we notice those points. And the key thing to remember with breath work and with mindfulness is each time you breathe in, you bring your attention back to each in breath. Mm -hmm. And every time you breathe out, we bring the attention back to the out breath. So it's always through the tip of the nose, mm -hmm. the breath, and you're constantly redirecting your attention because what will happen is, you know, those new thoughts every 70 seconds, well, that means that your mind goes off with those thoughts about oh, okay. keeping to bring yourself back to each in-breath, each out-breath, feeling it through the tip of the nose. Mm -hmm. You help yourself to center. You help to disconnect from that overstimulated mind. Okay. Yeah? Yep. And I'll, right. I'll be doing my best to go along despite having to keep an eye yes. on the computer and the clock and everything. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm going to – I'll be doing a bit of multitasking, okay. which, you know, I'm not I'm – not, I'm not well associated with right. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just so I can tie myself. We've got five minutes, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Okay. All right. Cool. So are you ready? Yeah, we're okay. ready. Okay. So making sure that you are sitting in a nice, comfortable position. You can lie down if you wish to. If you've chosen to sit down, make sure that your back feels comfortable and you have enough support for your neck. If you're lying down, please place a pillow under your knee so that you don't put any pressure on your lower back. Now gently we start to close our eyes and we start to bring our attention to our body. So just gently notice how your body is feeling mentally and how it's feeling physically and know that you can come back to those thoughts and those sensations when we finish. They don't need to disturb you now. Just mentally allow yourself, give yourself permission to come back to those thoughts and sensations after the meditation. becoming aware of the breath now, you bring our attention to the movement of the breath through the tip of the nose, so connecting to the inward breath, feeling the flow of the breath through the nose, and coming back to the outward breath through the tip of the nose. And each time we breathe in, we bring our attention to the tip of the nose, feeling the breath traveling through the nose into the body, 
And with each out breath, we repeat the process coming back and feeling that breath moving out. Now we start to deepen the breath. So as we breathe in, we start to deepen the breath into a slow, deep breath. Placing your hand on your belly, breathing slow and deep in, feeling that rise of the belly. Coming back to the out breath, slow and deep out, feeling that movement in the belly again as the breath travels out. Very gently working at your own pace, slow deep breath in, feeling that movement in the belly. Slow, deep breath out. Again, feeling that movement in the belly. Each time you breathe out, just allow your body to relax and release any tension you feel in. Coming back to that in-breath, feeling that breath moving in through the nose. Slow and deeply moving into the belly. As we breathe out, slow, deep breath, allowing the body to release any tension it's feeling. Now in the next in-breath, feeling that breath moving through the nose, we start to become aware of the sensation of our feet. So gently bring your attention into your feet. And here, become aware of your feet making contact to the floor. So just feel that subtle pressure of the feet as they connect to the floor never forgetting your breath so keep coming back to that in-breath feeling that in-breath moving in being aware of the sensation of the feet and coming back to that out breath staying with that out breath keep redirecting our attention to the breath as we become aware of the sensation of the feet as they connect to the floor Now on your next in-breath, nice, slow, deep in-breath, bring the attention to the seating bone area. So here if you're sitting, connect to the sensation of the weight of yourself on the chair, the pressure points of your body as they connect with the chair. If you're lying down, 
just to feel the back of the pelvis as it lays down to feel those pressure points. And again, remembering to come back to that outward breath, so redirecting your attention back to the outward breath, feeling the outward breath traveling through the tip of the nose. Again, breathing in, feeling the breath moving through the nose, becoming aware of the sensation of your seating bone area. And again, redirecting the breath to the nose and feeling breath as it travels out. On the next in breath, we're keeping our attention on the breath still. We bring our attention into our hands now. Of our hands, do our fingers feel warm? Do they feel cold? If our hands are still in our belly, can we still feel our belly rise and fall? Our hands are resting on our lap, can we feel the sensation of the clothes around our hands? gently start to bring our awareness to our environment so we start bringing ourselves back from the meditation we start to become more alert and aware the sensation of our body as it's lying sitting in the rooms we've chosen to do this On the next in breath we gently wriggle our toes wriggle our hands more and more alert, hearing the sounds around us, and then very gently open our eyes, and coming back into the space, but remembering as we come back into the space, we continue with that slow deep breathing, so ideally we'd love to bring the slow deep breathing into every waking moment.
There we go. You back, Ricky? I'm here. <laughs> I feel quite. Uh, yeah, I feel. I feel. Well, I feel a lot lighter. Do you? Yeah, almost sort of floating in a sense. I'm just perched on my bed, and I had a pillow on my lower back, but um, yeah, I followed everything. Okay. And how did you find the mind? Was it very active, or were you able to have those slight little pauses? Yeah, when you mentioned about sort of um, allowing me to breathe out almost, it's it's how I define my anxiety sometimes because I was, my anxiety is almost feels like a flame within inside me and I have to take deep breaths in, in a sense to help put the flame out. I know I'm sounding very metaphorical here, mm-hmm. but breathing, I think it goes to show just how important breathing is into combating anxiety and I think... And- and it's important to remember, you know, you said you have to take the breath, but yeah. it's to take the breath down into the belly and not That's up into right. the chest. Right. So most people, when I hear them talk, when they're struggling with anxiety and stress, yeah. they're doing this the whole time, which yeah. actually is reinforcing the stress response in the body. So it's to really shift from that up chest breath, that tight chest breath down into the belly. So... You know, it can take even just a couple of minutes just to be able to loosen off the diaphragm so that mm. you can start to feel the breath moving yeah. into the belly. So, I mean, we've done really just teeny tiny little bite sizes of some breath yeah. work and some some mindfulness. But hopefully it's something that people can think, right, I'm going to try and just practice this deep breathing just for a couple of minutes every day and see how that works, you know, or just practice being aware of my anchor points, mm. breathing into them, releasing mm. any anything I'm noticing and seeing if that helps them. It's just little tools for them. Absolutely. And when you consider and relating to what you are saying before about stress response and in relation to anxiety, when you consider what happens to our bodies when, when yeah. sufferers like myself have a panic attack or anxiety attack, the the stress response in itself triggering the sort of the heavy breathing which makes the convulsions and and the sweating and everything and it's all driven by what's going on with our breathing so naturally in a way what yeah what you're describing is a way of combating that but but doing it via breathing so it almost feels like you're tackling it from reverse does that make sense Absolutely. So it's becoming mindful, isn't it? You become mindful of the sensations and you mindfully breathe in a way that supports health rather than keeps pushing you into that trajectory. And yeah, and uh, thanks for that choice of music. I mean, when I when I, I'm always happier when I'm by the sea. I was actually having a, I was actually having a chat with my sister-in-law the other day when. I came back from a trip to the seaside and I, and I just came out with this. That I said, do you know what? I think I'll be a much happier person if I just lived right by the sea. And it's it's quite a bold <laughs> statement for me to come out with. But when you, I think mindfulness, you also take into account things like nature. I mean, there was an interesting, I don't know if you've been following the Marigold, the real Marigold Hotel on, on TV, but um, they, on the last trip, um, based on the film, of course, but they were in the foothills in the Himalayas and I was saying on Twitter to all my, my followers that, you know, I'm fortunate enough that my, my family are from there and you don't have to be religious, but there's something about that when you go, go out there that that's really kind of spiritual and the pace of life is just, oh, it's just, 
it is so soul soothing. I can't. It's really difficult to describe unless you get out there. But you can still feel that around here. I mean, um, if, I, if I'm at the beach, um, the, the chances are I'm going to have a really good day. Because oh, yeah, you know, it's because of the open space. It's so soothing on the senses. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the reasons we, I mean, we had a stressed pandemic before coronavirus. Um, because that's where the, the world had gotten itself. You know, we were yeah. globally stressed yeah. and overstimulated. Mm -hmm. So when you're in those open spaces, you know, those green open spaces, like in nature or down at the sea, mm -hmm. there's very little stimulation. Yeah. Our senses are soothed because there's not that much stimulating us. Yeah. Um, so that's why we have such a soothing effect. And that's why we feel so well. Yeah. You know, that's why it has such positive effects on our well-being. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that I think there are studies to suggest that that people who live um, or are fortunate to live next to magnificent scenes of scenery that their general well-being is is a lot better than those who are you know around yes. suburban areas. I think there's studies to prove that. So um, and they're happier. <laughs> yeah. So Nikki, that brings us to the end of our part. So after you know fitting room for our, for our next guest on the other side of this but this has been awesome I, th I think it's came out all right what do you think i hope so yeah i think it, it did so it'd yeah. be good to hear how I it, hope it's um, been beneficial for listeners yeah and uh yeah. do give us any feedback and of course if oh, you want to hear feedback and if you want to know more of course you can get you can find nikki's details on 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 our on our web pages or our facebook and then um she has a she has a social media presence so um that's so, yeah, Nikki. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, that's been different, but I think oh, it's been lovely. a little more I worthwhile. I really enjoyed it, and I hope it's helped everyone. So get in touch if there's any other questions. I'd love to be able to answer them. So do get in touch. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Nikki. Oh, thank you, Ricky. See you next bye -bye. week. Bye. Bye. Hello everyone, uh, welcome back to part two, the second segment of Mentally Sound's Life in Lockdown. Um, yeah, great, great first uh, part there, Nikki and I doing a live mindful, mindfulness session, breathing exercise, uh, that was a first for us, so I hope that was beneficial to you all out there. So yeah, this is part two, and I have a very special guest, as listeners will know, that uh, in, in these latter ones I've been doing a a second uh, uh, spot for another guest to come on and talk about how life has been for them under lockdown and what, what sort of stuff they've been getting up to. And uh, yeah, this is Mandy Coppin. Listeners might remember that she's from Streetwise, the regional charity which deals with young people uh, with lots of important advice through mental health, through sexual health, through everything that the, that the, uh, the young persons go through in terms of their challenges and... Uh, yeah, so here she is. Mandy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Nice to be here nice. and nice to be part of a podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, so before we talk about the uh, the main thrust of what we're going to talk about, how are you and uh, how's uh, life under lockdown been for you over the last three months? So life under lockdown for me has been very busy. 
Ricky, we, we've literally hit the ground running as soon as yeah. we heard that COVID was going to lock down services. So we wanted to both prepare for the team at Streetwise, but also to be available for young people as, as the lockdown emerged to make sure we were there in mm -hmm. terms of support, advice, guidance, but just to let the young people know that we weren't going to shut down on them. Um, so yeah. it's been really busy. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I mean... We'll start with that, actually, because we, we had a chat before I pressed the record button. And something that you told me, which was a very fundamental point, I thought, was um, back in February, you, you because you were saying you had a stepdaughter out in south of France. Yeah. So you could, uh, you actually fores foresee, foresaw what was actually going to happen and, and Streetwise then went to prepare for what, what yeah. eventually happened, yeah? Yeah, so my stepdaughter lives in the south of France. She's 18. Yeah. She has friends that live in on the border of, with Italy, and yeah. she was letting us know uh, what was happening with Italy, and we were quite concerned about what was going to come over the border to or over the sea to Newcastle and and the northeast and and the UK. And I was just quite surprised that nothing was happening very mm -hmm. fast. So mm -hmm. I started with the team preparing them for talking to the young people about the, the possibility of going from face to face work to Skype and online and that detached work might not be happening uh, as a face-to-face -face service. So we got our, all our IT systems upgraded, mm -hmm. got the team laptops, got the team uh, mobile phones so they could keep in contact with young people. Mm -hmm. And prior to the lockdown, we were prepared to move the, 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 the team straight into home working. So I was really, really pleased that we'd had the heads up mm -hmm. and really disappointed that we didn't have this preparation time mm -hmm. uh, and run into lockdown by the government and local authorities and what yeah. have you. So I'm just really pleased that we listened to and watched what was happening in other in other countries. So um, for things like counselling, I mean, I know that I know that from our past conversations that you already do things like online counselling, yeah. Skype counselling, that kind of thing. So I'm assuming, therefore, that 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 particular part of your service sort of skyrocketed. It did. It, yeah. Well, it naturally it progress, it, it transferred from being face-to-face -to, -face to being Skype and online. Yeah. And our young people were already prepped uh, mm -hmm. and, and talk, we talked through what, it, what, what the difference is between face-to-face -face and Skype and mm -hmm. that they have to, you know, we needed to have a, a mm -hmm. safe space for them in the home. It needed to be where somebody couldn't overhear the conversation. Some mm -hmm. of our young people went to their cars, the family cars, if they had one, wow. to have a bit of a safe space. Mm -hmm. And our team had a like a safe word for those young people as well. So if somebody came into their to their bedrooms or their living rooms or wherever they were mm -hmm. having a session, they mm -hmm. could just agree a word and then the conversation would stop mm -hmm. uh, and there would be a call back. So there was a lot of safeguarding mm -hmm. that went into that, Ricky. But mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, we didn't have a massive increase of referrals because young people were frightened yeah. and they were worried that everything was shutting down, including services like Streetwise. Right. Uh, so, we, you know, we've been able to support every young person that's come mm. through for counselling and online support. But we're still worried that there's going to be a massive um, spike in referrals once the lockdown's lifted. Yeah. And um, so going back to, you know... Um, uh, in terms of what, in terms of the referrals that you've have have had, what's what's life been like for the average teenager in terms of? Because we talked before as well, those that are witnessing ongoing domestic abuse and that yeah. sort of thing, those are the sorts of things that you you focused in on, haven't you? Yeah, we we we've been really worried about the young people that have been in family homes where 
there's been an increase or a consistent domestic abuse situation or an alcohol um, sort of situation or threatening, any sort of threatening harm situation that those young people haven't felt safe mm-hmm. to actually access services because mm-hmm. they're in a lockdown situation. They mm-hmm. don't have a safe space. They're mm-hmm. worried that they would create more problems mm-hmm. if they reached out for help. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really worried that these young people have been in what we call a toxic trio. So they're locked in, locked in with somebody and can't get out. Mm-hmm. And they're facing all those sorts of um, difficulties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have re- we have had referrals for some young people that have been really frightened and scared. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we've, we've reached out to those young people and I'd reach out to them again to say that they ca- if they have access to a phone or a laptop, that's great. But some of our young people don't have access to phones and laptops, yeah. so they can't reach out to yeah. services like us via Skype. So we're going to be hopefully back on doing face-to-face work um, mm-hmm. in July mm-hmm. um, and we'd encourage young people to come forward for any services mm-hmm. like ours uh, and, and, and ask lot, for help. A lot of those young people, of course, are sons and daughters of key workers you were mentioning yeah. before yeah. before we, we yeah. went on there. Um, yeah. those, had, those were in sort of difficult situations, weren't they? Yeah, because I, you know, talked before about everybody thinks that young people are very resilient mm-hmm. uh, and they are to an extent, but they're also very vulnerable. This mm-hmm. is a very vulnerable time of their lives when they're developing their thoughts and feelings and emotions and they rely on Mm -hmm. the encouragement and support of friends and family and teachers and youth workers Mm -hmm. and staff and you know they were really worried about um their parents and and family members as frontline workers going out Mm -hmm. in very high risk situations where covid was predominant whether it's a care home worker Mm -hmm. where there was no ppe or in the health service or taxi drivers mm-hmm. or shop workers and they you know people i think generally thought young people were weren't anxious but they were very anxious not necessarily about themselves but their family members they seemed to be out of focus in the media weren't they because obviously a lot of our intention was to um look after the the, the vulnerable and elderly but um so 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 young people were were almost in a way kind of were shown to be well they're young they're resilient they're going to shrug it off you know the but i think the the emotional impact was certainly underestimated you think absolutely mm. the emotional most of the young people that have come forward for counseling have come forward highlighting the levels of increased anxiety yeah. and mm. that anxiety can manifest itself later on in mm. terms of you know, um, increased depression. Mm-hmm. It could be related to, you know, uh, anxiety about going out to school. Mm-hmm. Certainly young people are really anxious about using public transport. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have PPE themselves. Yeah. They're worried about the social distancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they've been locked in and locked down for a long time, so mm-hmm. they're really anxious about just coming out of the family mm-hmm. home into an environment that they might have to tell somebody they've been harmed. Yeah. So it's it's a worry for our young people, mm. and and we've also know young people that are you know from you know generally confident family backgrounds and mm. homes and home life situations that are equally anxious about mm. using public transport mm. uh, and being amongst friends and family that they they might be conf- you know contagious with and infectious with. So we've got to we've got to really home in on that young people aren't as resilient as often we make them out to be. Yeah. Um, one last quick question for you, Mandy, before we, we ask you to sort of give out contact details for people out there. Um, I remember from a previous show that you guested on, one of the things we talked about was about social media, about technology, that, that it has a detrimental impact sometimes. But in this, in this time, they, they're used as a, 
you know, to fill in a void essentially because we, we can't go out there and see people face to face. So is there a danger it might sort of get out of hand that, you know, things like becoming being addicted to, to tech and that sort of thing? Do you know, do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think some of our young people have become very um, anti-social media. They've just been overwhelmed by mm -hmm. it, and they've told us that they actually are really ready to come out and speak to people and, yeah. and have conversations, and that, that too much too much news has been too much for them. Mm -hmm. they, they've switched off to the news. They don't want to listen to the negativity, yeah. but they have actually enjoyed some of the live shows that we've done at Streetwise where it's been interactive and they can have a conversation and we've played quizzes with them. We've done sessions where they can win vouchers to spend on Amazon. Excellent. You know, so it, it lifts some of their, their sort of like the feelings that social media is just all take, take, take. So we've been, yeah. we've been giving something back uh, through, through positive social media work mm. but they are a bit jaded by social media and i think mm. this has compounded it a little yeah. bit well mandy i could talk to you all day and, and we had a really long conversation before so this is like a continuation of that but we'll talk to you again in lengthier detail look forward to that but before you go just give give people out there streetwise's contact details yeah, so Streetwise, you can find out anything about Streetwise on our website, which is www.streetwisenorth.org.uk. We've just got a new Facebook, which is Mickey B. So yeah. look for Mickey B, because okay. this is a, a way that young people can uh, pose questions and ask questions for Streetwise. So look for Mickey B. And our Instagram is streetwise underscore Newcastle. Uh, that has lives on that on 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Mm -hmm. um, but also look at our Twitter, which is Streetwise Any, uh, and quite often we'll post events and activities that are going to take place on our Twitter account. Excellent. Well, Mandy, it's a pleasure to have you on, and we look forward to talking to you again. Uh, thanks for coming on. No problem. Always a pleasure. <laughs> thanks, Mandy.